This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And the season is coming to a close fairly quickly. Or is it? We're remaining positive this week. And we're going to remain positive till the end of the season because it's been an absolutely tremendous season. I mean, once again, we look back on Saturday. The ball was once again in Brentford's court. And they dutifully took that tennis ball and threw it over the fence. Some would say unnecessarily. But we say to ensure we have a nail-biting end to the season. My name's Billy Grant and I'm back. Back on duty after a week away in the sun in Jamaica, which was more work than pleasure, believe it or not. You said it was um, South End. It it was the South End of Jamaica at Ah, the North Tip sort of thing, you know. But um, to be quite honest with you, it was quite nice to see things from afar. I haven't actually seen things from afar for for probably about three seasons now. And it's quite, quite bizarre. And I have to say, I, even though people think you're absolutely mental, I actually would have rather have been at Hillsborough because my 100% record for this season went in a flash. Um, I was going to do all the games this season and this came up and I was a bit gutted. And uh, I noticed Nick was rubbing it in, saying how he uh, was going to go for his 100% and I thought, cheers, Nick. How are you doing though, boys? Anyway, you cool? Yeah, no, we're fine. We're we're all in this. Uh, we're at the opera rehearsals tonight. I don't know if you can hear some tinkling in the background. We're um, besides new opera that's going to be uh, launched at the uh, English National Opera, the Eno, in September. So um, yeah, if you can hear some tinkling, that's that's what's happening. That's yeah, no, we're we're all right. We're all we're all tickety boo. Yeah, we're we're kind of a bit down and a bit up and a bit down and a bit up. It's a bit of a roller coaster. But um, yeah, now we're looking forward to Reading. Um, we're looking forward to Wigan. Let's see what happens. You know, we're. Brentford are very used to it going to the wire, and um, stranger things have happened, mate. Stranger things have happened. I have to flip back, and I know it's saying about that Wednesday game. I did listen to the game for the first time ever on Bees Player. Respect to Bees Player. 
first time ever and it is a really strange experience because first of all it's excruciating because you can't see what's going on so it's completely out of your hands and the second thing is the tweets do come in about 20 seconds before the commentary does <laughs> so it's a it's a bit of a nightmare because sometimes you don't know really what's going on the ooze and then the this and oh god but it was a it was a bit a bit strange i have to say no difference from six pints before the game to be honest though surely well, that is that is true, actually, and I know certain people and even certain players have accused us of getting uh, some of the details wrong. But I think there's, there's a reason for that, and uh, that's part of the joy of uh, kind of doing it the way that we do. Well, you say it was excruciating listening to it on uh, Bees Player. It was excruciating being at the game, so you know, no, <laughs> no difference there then. And uh, even with the tweets, I knew what was coming up on the tweets, and uh, that didn't make it any better as well. You know, hey, the season ain't over till the fat lady sings anyway, which you can probably it's, hear in the background. Oh, as David so, Webb once said. <laughs> That's true, actually. We could have, I could have tweeted that game without actually being there, and it would have been... I could have gone, ooh. In fact, it was missed chance. Great play, but blazed over bar. Ooh. Oh, we've, they've scored, not us. Yeah, it was, it, was a kind of like, it was kind of a predictable game, but we didn't play badly. So anyway, Mr Dave Lane, you uh, sound totally jolly, and we're totally positive now, aren't we? Because we've realised that, you know... You know, glass half full, glass half empty, and all that kind of stuff. And we're in a positive mode now as well. We've, we've got, we've got, we've got to go, we've got to go half full. Surely, you know, half empty is is kind of oh, you, we we can't be there. You might as well give up. If if this is a half empty year, Christ, what's the point? Yeah, we got we got to remember the rest of the season. You know, we we got to remember for the rest of the season what we've achieved this season. It's been amazing. And um, and just enjoy the last couple of games, and you, you never know what might happen. But I think just go out there and enjoy it. That's Mr. Well, Matt Allard. You always always got the analytical side there, Matt. You know, <laughs> it's just yeah. I mean, everything. The, the, the season's been great. It's been we. Everyone keeps saying it's exceeded expectations, and clearly it has. Um, so that's a, you know, I, I've just said it myself. It's a bit boring to say that, but and I'm going to say another cliche that everyone else is saying is who'd have thought back in August or whatever we'd be where we are today but I think that's the sort of things we have to remember we've got to go back and remember the Fulham away game um, it, it, maybe in an ideal world that's when the season would have ended at the end of that game at the, or at the end of that evening um, but, but it's football and you know it doesn't always work out and, but it might still that's right and Nick Tarfew I mean what have you been up to this week Nick? Oh, I've been, uh, you know, in, here and there and everywhere. Uh, but I guess if you had polled the people, notice the reference there, if you polled people at the beginning of the season where we would end up uh, today, everybody would have been happy with 15th, 16th. So nobody should be disappointed with the fact that probably Saturday's results saw us, you know, the end, not the end of our season, but the, yeah, no, it was, it was the end of our season. But we've got another couple of games to come. I'm really looking forward to the trips to Reading. I'm really looking forward to being at home to Wigan. And then, Mr Grant, I will have done all the competitive fixtures that Brentford Football Club played this season. Jeez. Very proud Not of Not many that. people can say that, can they, Bill? Uh, <laughs> thanks for that, Nick. I, I appreciate you just uh, rubbing it in once again. Later on also, we're going to be speaking to Dave Harris, a.k.a. Handbags from the Tylerst End, which is the Reading blog. And hopefully we'll also be talking to Wimb, who's also the editor of the Tylerst End blog, who's got quite a sad tale to tell. We'll see if he'll actually come and talk to us later. But first of all, let's go back to the pub on Saturday after the Bolton match, when we let in yet another goal to let them back into the game to see what the fans had to say after the match. 
it was disappointing. And I'm not holding anything against Bolton. I think they just came down and they had a go. They didn't lie down. They had nothing to play for. I think what's disappointing is that we make the same mistakes week after week. And that mistake with Tarki and Button, the pair of them, was absolutely ammo. It was pathetic. If that's... I know we've had a few dodgy results the last few weeks, but if that's the end of our playoffs because of that, it's just pathetic and we don't really deserve to go up. We don't learn. We do the same mistakes week after week. It's been the best season I've ever had. It's been brilliant. I'm not knocking what we've had. But if we don't learn week in, week out, making ridiculous mistakes and letting teams score from ridiculous mistakes, then you don't deserve to go up. Well, you know, we're still playing brilliant football. I love the football we play, but not in the bottom third of the pitch. The bottom third of the pitch, clear your lines, give yourself a bit of breathing space. Do not create undue pressure on yourselves, which today has ended up in the most ridiculous goal, you know, I've seen for a long while. Terrible hospital ball by Tarki. And then button shimmying when he should have just gone piling into it. It's just, it was heartbreaking. I can't get my head around it. It's pathetic. Well, I'd say pressure makes diamonds, Bill. Pressure makes diamonds. Yes. Throw him in there if he's hungry enough. And I reckon he is. And he's been banging him in for the youth team, for the dev squad, for under-21s, whoever he's been playing with. It's worth the gamble, isn't it? It's better than gambling by playing three at the back and making one of your centre-backs go up front. I mean, Harley Dean has scored, all right, yeah, he, he scored one good, brilliant, brilliant goal against Fulham, but it's like playing Leon Negger up front again, isn't it? It's just not, it's, not, it's desperate. Yeah, it is hard to take because you're, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're sort of like the barometer changes, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not the same team, we're not the same, we're not the same fans we, as we were at the beginning of the season, we've come a long way and we've, we've come so close and, you know, we were talking about, you know, talking about substitutions and what I highlighted it again today, we just don't have an impact sub, there's no one that we can call upon to come off the bench and really scare the opposition. All the way from Holland, the Dutch beat is here. A Dutch disappointed bee, aren't you? Yeah, I'm quite disappointed because I thought we really could win today. But yeah, we're still in. You know, after Huddersfield against Derby a draw, Ipswich against Wolves a draw. Uh, no one knows what happened, but yeah, I'm disappointed. And it's, it's crazy. You know, before the season, it sounds really stupid to think right now that we're disappointed. But yeah, I'm disappointed a little bit. Look how far we've come. I'm looking forward now to next season. Strengthening a couple of positions. We'll be challenging again. Where's it gone wrong? Just not taking enough of our chances that we create. Really. Games we should have won, we've let slip. We've been playing tremendous football. Better than Chelsea. And with that, fans expect. We've come to expect a Brentford win. And we haven't won at home games recently. And that's what we found disappointing. For me... The defining moment in this whole playoff, non-playoff scenario was bent last-minute goal at Derby. For me, that is the defining moment because it doesn't matter about the chances missed or not missed. I think that was the def- because the, that game we'd won that, and psychologically, if we'd won that game, Derby would have been out of the picture a bit. We would have been up there, and it would have been a different story to altogether. And we could have even gone for a point at Sheffield Wednesday, even though we don't go for points. Yeah, I mean it, it, we could. We really should have been, uh, it would have dra- dragged Derby back closer to us, there would have been more teams in the mix, we would have had a better chance, we really deserve to get something out of that game. But you can say that about a lot of games this season, 
that we've had we have to make 10 opportunities to score a goal we're a little bit late on pulling the trigger sometimes and a little bit late on getting midfielders into the box sometimes well Ipswich haven't got they've got tricky games but not really hard games left so I don't think we'll catch them now so you're saying the season's over now so I won't see you next weekend at the vegan game no I'm only joking (laughs) (laughs) so that's what the fans had to say in the pub after the Bolton game in effect once again another team who were fairly average it has to be said came to Griffin Park to spoil the party and uh, we just, again, just couldn't quite get the result that we wanted. Um, it was disappointing again. I mean, no, I know everyone's talked about it in the pub again. We don't want to go into it too much because we're on a positive vibe today. But, you know, again, it's another opportunity missed, wasn't it? It was an opportunity missed. And um, it's another example of how competitive this division is because we've had two teams that we thought were out of account and probably weren't going to be that interested. They've come down and really put in a shift. Nottingham Forest... They cared about the game. And you, you, all you got to see about, you know, Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon spent more time on Griffin Park pitch this year than Big Nick. You know, he, he, he was running around all over the place try, trying to, trying to. I mean, I don't know what he was doing. He was obviously on drugs. Um, but they, but Bolton actually wanted to win. Um, and and there's, there's no, I don't think there's been one game this year where the opposition has not, not really tried. And it, I think it just shows what an amazing division we're in. Um, so, yeah, no, just, yeah, Bolton, Bolton did, did, did spoil the party a bit. You know, there's a lot of people beforehand just thought, you know, they were just going to go through the motions, but that's just that's not been the case. So, um, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought what was interesting with the Bolton game is that... Um, because they came and had a go at us, they gave us opportunities. And um, sometimes you find in these end-of-season games that actually a team just thinks they turn up, they put 10 men behind the ball, and um, they're hard to break down, and it just fizzles out. But Bolton made a real game of it, and, and as, as Dave's already said, credit to them, credit to Neil, Neil Lennon. But then I can't imagine any team that he sends out is ever going to go out and not play for him because he's probably scared the living daylights out of them, I would think. Um, it was just one of those days. It, it, I think what's upsetting this, why people are down this season, is not because we've we've got this many points and we're in seventh. It's the way we've ended up in seventh. Because you know you feel like every week there's an opportunity offered to us because somebody else drops points. The result in the Wolves um, Ipswich game kind of went our way, um, and. We just, you know, we let it go again. And I think that's, that's what's upsetting people. It's not, it's not the performances. It's just that we keep getting these opportunities and we just let them pass us by. I think the interesting thing is that people who follow Italian and Spanish football will tell you you never bet on the last 10 games of the season because the majority of games, some of the teams don't have anything to play for, don't have nothing to um, worry about. You can't do that. And the championship. I mean, as Dave was saying, Bolton were really up for it. Forest were up for it. Sheffield Wednesday were up for it. Sheffield Wednesday had absolutely nothing, nothing to play for, and they 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 turned in a shift as as did Bolton. So I mean, you know, all these television companies who waste their money on foreign on covering live foreign football, they should be covering the championship live. By God, they would be huge, huge subscriptions. And as will Reading and as will Wigan. So, um, yeah. you know, let's, let's not forget, we've got, we have 
we've got two toughies to come. I tell you, I tell you, who I thought really was up for it, um, Emil Hesty, who I just completely laughed at when he signed for Bolton at the beginning of the season. I know he missed uh, the, the great chance he had, but apart from that, I thought he was faultless in the game. I thought it was absolutely exceptional. He's still got a big bum, though. He is a but big at, lad. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, as we speak now, Reading, interestingly, we were talking to the Reading boys and they were saying, you know, you know, sorry, can't chat to you tonight, lads, because we are off to play another game, which means absolutely nothing anymore because they're playing Birmingham tonight. So the thing is, the game is worthless, but all of a sudden, you know, you never know. And then they're playing us after that. And like I said, we keep on playing these teams who potentially can spoil the party. And I mean, I said, you know, I mentioned it a bit earlier in the season where I was a bit more nervous, the fact that we were playing these nothing teams as they were in the run-in. And everyone thought we got an easy run in. And I just think that, you know, and as everyone says, we're the type of team that plays better against when you've got something to play for. And I'm, I'm a little bit gutted we didn't have your Norwiches and your your Derbys and your, well, we did have Derby actually. And your, and your yeah, we had Watford a bit earlier on, but, you know, your Boroughs a bit later on in the season because I think that, you know, we would have really given them a game. I think I think with Reading, though, I think because they're playing this game before they're playing us against Birmingham, I would imagine they're going to switch the team around. I think if there's a hangover from the um, FA Cup semi-final, they're going to get it out of their system against Birmingham. And I would suspect that for Saturday, they're going to be back on it. And I think what it shows you, as you just said, Bill, it really is a learning curve this year. We're all learning. The players, the owner, the manager, the coaches, the fans especially, we're learning about this division. And it's going to take a year, two years, to, to just really get to grips with it. And, you know, when we, you know, I think um, some fans are getting hacked off with this. If we were offered seventh place, seventh place before the state season started, we'd bite your hand off. Yeah, but it's, it's true. Um, and also, um, you know, we didn't realise how good we were until probably a month and a half into the season. We were just kind of like a bit petrified. And then once we realised we were good, it was only then it's grown. So, you know, we did we didn't we didn't we weren't armed with this knowledge and this experience when we kicked off against Charlton. You know, it's just only recently that have we known how good we are and how big opportunities that we've let slip, how big they are. You know, it, we, we'll know next we'll know next year. And as I said, in not last week's podcast, the week, weekend before, the week before, that Bournemouth were way below where we are now last season and people were raving about them. We just have to make sure or hope that we can achieve some sort of progress um, post-Warburton. And it's interesting you should say that as well because a friend of mine who oh, I respect a lot who sports another team, another London team, and when I was chatting about it and I was, you know, one minute I'm saying, yeah, we're up there. Next minute I'm like, we're going to miss out. And, you know, oh, we've lost this game. We should have lost that. And he's just said to us, tell you something, mate. You've had an absolutely brilliant season. And he says, the best thing for you is that actually the fact that you didn't go up, but what you've got is you've got the belief because now you actually know that you're good enough. You know that you're good enough. And you know that all the things that you sort of talked about and you preached about and certain people within your club preached about, whether or not it's your owner or your manager or whatever like that, have come true to a certain extent. Because you can go forth and use that next season and you can move forward and I think it's a positive step and it's a building block. And it's sort of kind of wise words for a rival football fan, you know, in a way. But but it did ring true. And I just thought, you know, that's fair enough because a lot of people will turn around and they'll just go, ah, look at you. Ah, yeah, you choked at the last minute. But no, he was just actually saying it was a really positive move that we've had this season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of massive. Well, there's a huge amount of pride to be taken from this. You know, we're proud of what we've achieved. We're proud of what we've gone through together as fans and as players. We've been up and down the country together all year, and we're, we're proud of the way we play. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of the, the way that we're setting ourselves up for the future. I know it's contentious, but you know, hey. I'm I'm really confident, and yes, of course, I haven't put in this amount of miles this season, you know. And Nick here is 100; he's, he hasn't missed a game all year. You know, Nick hasn't put that kind of loyalty in all season just to see us choke at the death. You know, he's he's been to every single game, and um, he's confident that we're going to finish a job off next year, aren't you? Absolutely. I don't think we have choked as well. I just think we've come up, you know, we've run out of steam. That, that's, the, that's the thing. We haven't choked, we've run out of steam. What I would say is that, uh, and we might go on to discuss this later, is that I am quite keen actually to know how much I'm going to pay for my season ticket next year. Um, and the club needs to uh, get on ASAP with telling us how much we're going to watch for championship football. I say, interestingly, I think that what has happened over the last few weeks in particular, especially us, first of all, conceding that late goal to Darren Bent, then losing to Wednesday, and then conceding the, the, the fairly late goal against Bolton, which has put a leveller, a real leveller on people. So what's happened is that we've been swept with a bit of a tide of, yes, we're going to do the business. And then I think that recently, just the past few days, a few opinions have raised its head with a few people who have been you know, sort of quite, you know, thinking about the whole thing. Um, people taking a dose of reality. There's much talk of us not taking our chances. There's, not, there's a lot of talk about defensive areas and all that. But then there's also the thought about maybe we actually have to reframe how we look at things. The fact we're seventh in the championship, we're within spitting distance of sixth, and we've beaten Fulham ex of the Premier League. They were in the Premier League last season. We've beaten them twice this season. So it's, it's kind of that thing where we talk about the barometer and exactly where our thinking head is at. You know, And it's interesting, like I said, there's a few really good articles. Ian Westbrook wrote an article which is on Besotted this week, which actually said, hold on a second, come on, everybody, let's just, let's just rethink about that. And I just thought that was quite good because sometimes you can get a bit ahead of yourself. And Mulaney, you talked about Bournemouth last season. You know, you talk about other things, but, you know, we, we've done bloody well, haven't we? So we need, like, like the, like the crow man in uh, Wurzel Gummy that comes around and he puts different heads on us and we think in different ways. Is that, is that what you mean? Well, not, not necessarily, but I just think, you know... <laughs> I, thought, I thought that's what, exactly what you meant, sorry. <laughs> I just think that we just, 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 just take a little... You take, maybe it was just me chilling out for a week in the, in, in the sun, just thinking, actually... South, wait, South End. One second. This South End beach has given me a toast of reality. And, and we you have done really well. Dose of anything down in South End, Bill. <laughs> I, I think maybe, maybe a better way of looking at the season is to, is to pick all the games and remix them all up again. Because the games with the downers have mostly happened in the last month. Yeah, apart from the, the Fulham game, I suppose. But if we mix it all up and, and, and throw it all around... Oh, God, I love well, that. Actually, it's, it's been a good season. It's a remix. Yeah, it's the remix remix of the season. That would be brilliant. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah, we'll start with the... With the you see, if, if you ran the season with the games that were at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, then finished the season like a DJ with the set. sort of November, December period, it would be brilliant. Drop Fulham one. Yeah, right drop the, the Fulham in at the end. Yeah, exactly. That is the way to remember the season. What's going to be the slow dance at the end? 
No. What's going to be the revolving tree trunks on right right at the very end? I guess Sheffield Wednesday at home. Probably. <laughs> yeah. The nil-nil draw against yeah. Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, take it up with Fulham away and then bring it back down for the last oh, Charles, goal. Charlton Charl- Charl- away, maybe, is, the, <laughs> is where, you, yeah, where you kind of go up. Either go and get your coat from the cloakroom, or you, you get lucky. Or you get lucky yeah. Interestingly, because we talked among ourselves, and uh, yes, of course, there's Warburton Gate, as they call it, back in February, March. We did a lot of lot of stuff on that. People were quite agitated, but we got ourselves back on track to a certain extent. And we decided, listen, we're going to put this behind behind us. You don't really want to talk about it because we're all moving forward and we're positive. And uh, everyone thought that, but we thought it was quite interesting in the program notes on Saturday against Bolton how Mark Warburton actually kind of brought up this whole striker debacle and uh, the fact that we may or may not have signed a striker in January and the reasons behind it. And even we were getting a bit peed off when a few newspapers kept on pulling up the story and we're just thinking, listen, that should be buried. That's, you know, we're trying to move forward for playoffs now. We don't want to talk about that. So the fact that you know we still got two or three games to go and Warburton talked about that. We thought that was a bit strange, didn't we? He actually took the padlock off the gate himself, off of Warburton Gate. He, 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 un, he unlocked the gate, and um, it's all it's open in the public domain again. And as much respect as I have for the man, I have a lot of respect for the man. I'm not certain I believe all that he wrote in those programme notes. I think he was revisiting history a bit. Um, as I said last week, Warburton should have gambled in January or February time, and he didn't. And I think we, we're, we're paying the price for that. And, you know, fine if he wants to, it wants to put his side of the case and what he did or didn't do, but we missed out on signing a striker in January, and that probably did cost us at least, a, least our playoff place. I'm sorry, I think you've got to be frank about this. And it, it would appear to me that he was lining up his articles, to be honest. You know, if, if he's going to leave at the end of the season, his last programme notes, which is the Wigan game, he's obviously going to say goodbye, thank you, I love you all. And this one, he wanted to get his side of the story across. And I, I, I just don't think he should have done it or needed to do it because, um, you know... We, we, it just opens, it slightly picks the scab off of a healing wound in a, in a lovely analogy. Yeah, it, 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 as you say, it reopens the wound. And, we're, and we're suddenly we're talking about it again, whereas we'd hope that we could run the rest of the season without going back over this. Um, what I would, the only thing I would say is that, you know, if, if we do consider it was a mistake, then because of where the team were and the way they played, um, he kind of earned the opportunity to make that mistake. Um, that I would say that is that you know you can't fault the first two thirds of the season. The first two thirds of the season were exceptional. So he so he, he earned the opportunity to make the mistake. I would only disagree with I would only disagree with that and saying that you know it was a slightly blinkered approach. Uh, you've got to re- loyalty is fantastic when it's rewarded, but it wasn't being rewarded in January. It wasn't being rewarded as a transfer and the loan system came to an end and I think action needed to be taken but you know this is all minor criticism I don't I'm not having a go at Warburton he has been a brilliant manager of our club just to you know buy gum if he gambled just that touch more what might have been but the flip side of that I would also say is that with Warburton you know he's actually quite a new manager I mean he's, he's been a manager for a year and a bit you know, a year and two months, a year and three months, you know, or, or going, you know, yeah, it's about a year and a half he's been a manager for, okay? So he's, he is actually still learning the game and he picked up the ball running. 
he could have picked up the ball running and it could have flopped massively after Uwe Rosler. That's handball, surely. Yeah. And uh, we, wouldn't have, we, wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have seen him, but he didn't. He picked up the ball running and he's gone to a higher level. He's picked up the ball running. Yes, you're bound to make mistakes on the job. Yes, it is frustrating. Yes, because we were in the fast lane and we're going up there, you get even more frustrated. And, you know, maybe he might put his hand on his heart as, again, as Uwe Rosler used to at times and just say, actually, I made a mistake there. That was wrong. You know, put your hand up. And I think that maybe... He goes back two or three months or a year later and he says, you know, I have to admit when I was at Brentford, maybe I should have done X, Y, Z. But that, that's fine because that's what happens in business. And it's unfortunate for us, but we're still in a brilliant position. Oh, God, you know, we are. And I, and I have to say, and I, and I said it last week, and we, you know, we, we did speak about Warburton last week, that he leaves us with, with, a lot of, with all our respect, all our best wishes and all our love. And that might sound a little bit crash and cringy, but, you know, he is probably the second or third most successful manager in our club's history. He earns his right in the club's Hall of Fame. And in another time, in another era, in another moment, he would be here for 20, 30 years. But we have to trust and believe in what Matthew Benham is, what he's going to, he's outlining and laying down for us. Um, and, you know, it's an exciting, it's going to be a fascinating summer build. So lots of things to talk about other than on the pitch. What's going on around Griffin Park and around the championship? Played Bolton and uh, fairly decent atmosphere, but unfortunately there was a bit of a downside to it again. A couple of characters from the Union Road end up throwing coins. I think one of them hit the referee and Brentford have been reported to the Football League yet again. I think this is maybe the fifth or sixth or seventh time this season that we've reported for coin throwing. Now, this is a bit of a problem. It's not necessarily a case of wagging your fingers and saying you shouldn't do that because this has got broader implications, has it, lads, you know, for people who just want to go and watch football? Um, I just have to say that, you know, that just oversteps the mark of getting behind your team. There is absolutely no need for that. It's unwarranted. You know, just just sing. You know, just sing. Don't don't overstep the mark. Don't don't throw stuff. Don't, and you know, don't risk getting yourself banned from the football game forever for for letting off a, a party popper. I mean, no, 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 it's not. You know, don't let pyrotechnic fashion affect the rest of your Brentford support in future. I know, Nick, you've got a real. You know, you you, you think about this quite strongly. I do. This is where I this is where I lose my liberal tag. Um, is that I think anybody who throws coins on the pitch should be banned from football and banned for a long time. Slightly less, I'm slightly less concerned about the flares, but definitely coins because they can really hurt people. And I don't understand what it is. You can have a go. On the Ealing Road Terrace, you are close enough to really let the keeper, the opposition forwards, the opposition defenders, the referee know what you feel, know what you think by singing, chanting, or even shouting at them, as I am known to do. There is absolutely no need to throw coins and or bottles or any other objects onto the pitch. And for Christ's sake, if you were doing it, would you bloody well stop it? You know, they, they say sticks and stones will break your bones and names never hurt you, but don't, don't throw sticks and stones. I mean, and I, I, you know, I've, I've called linesmen and lineswomen some really, really kind of awful things. Well, some illegal things probably in my time. But, you know, you, you, you do grow older and wiser and probably a lot more boring. Um, but 
don't do it because but, you know we just don't do it. <laughs> I mean, the thing about it is, is, is you know, having a load of people on a podcast or people around you in the pub telling you not to do it. You know, kids are like they're thinking, look, this is what we do. It's a bit of a laugh. You know, we don't care what you say. Listen, right? We're not going to sit here and point fingers at you and say, look, there's this guy over there. Just have a little bit, bit think of the broader picture now. Now, the broader picture is that, first of all, you know, the club could get banned or fined, which means it's going to probably cost us in the long term because they'll end up putting up our season tickets and our ticket prices. Or they'll end up closing down the terrace or part of the terrace or putting something elsewhere or telling us we can't stand or we can't have singing sections or they'll find any excuse to do something that we that we all want to do. And then they'll say things like, oh, I told you all the football fans are all the same, aren't they? Oh, let's do this. And we'll just have a complete and utter nightmare. And we don't, we don't need that. At the end of the day, is that we're clever enough and we're funny enough to actually kind of rib people and do whatever we need to do anyway. And for some people to go out there, you see some geezer beside you, it looks like it's going to do something, say, come on, mate, look, we could, do so- we could do something else there. We don't need to do that because at the end of the day, it's all of us a lot going to suffer. And for me... I just want to stand on a terrace to watch my team play football. And if they end up closing down that terrace, I'm going to be pretty peed off, to be quite and, honest with you. And, and you're right, because because the bigger picture here is that, you know, we still have an opportunity to get promoted. I know we're all kind of agreeing it's an unlikely one. But, but we're trying to convince people we should be allowed to stay at Griffin Park um, if we do get promoted. This is hardly going to help that, that case. And I can't actually believe that anybody that's involved wants to move to be forced to move to bloody Loftus Road or down to Reading or something like that. You know, so it doesn't make any sense in any respect. And I think, you know, what we've found out about this season and why we're so proud of, of who we are and what, what we are is that we do things in a brink of what and a Brentford way is in an ironic kind of laughing at ourselves. There's a kind of a sense of humour about our history and, and a sense of perspective. And this really does does rub up all, all, all the wrong ways about how we are. We don't we don't copy other people. Let's just, let's just not do it. You know, yeah, yeah, there are generic songs that we you know that, that do the rounds, um, but just let, let's just just leave that out of our Brentford identity. We, we do not need to do that. Let's just find another way of, of, of being of, of being intimidating if that's, what, if that's what you want to do. Let's do it with noise. Let's not do it with chucking stuff. That's, that's like Birmingham in 1992, you know. We used, to, we used to mock them. They used to, you know, we used to just like, like kind of shudder. Oh, I'm so glad we're not like that. And I think there is a bit of a mountain out of a molehill here. It is very, very, um, you know, few and far between. But the thing is, now they are they, everything's being reported. It may not have been reported back then. And people up there, the, the thing about it is that we might think it's not a big deal or nothing really happened or it didn't even fall on the pitch. But the problem is there are certain people out there, whoever they may be, and authorities who don't want things to happen, and they look for any excuse for it not to happen. And it gives them the perfect opportunity to say, "Look, I told you so." And we don't want it to be scuppered because we're in a brilliant position. We can go, you know, safe standing if it happens, standing, all this kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, some MP or somebody like that go, I told you those football fans are all the same. Well, Bill, we've seen it to a smaller degree with, you know, people that are prepared maybe not to try the singing section again due to a couple of complaints. You know, literally one or two complaints constitute let's not try something really positive again. So this kind of plays into their hands. Let's not make negatives where they needn't exist. Talking about the seats, um, talking about, you know, 
negatives and positives, season tickets. Next season, we're not quite sure if we're going to be playing in the Premier or in the Championship. Does that really make any difference as to the price of our season ticket? We don't know because we have got no idea how much this season ticket is going to cost. Maybe part of the reason why is because we don't know whether or not we're going to be playing in Fulham or QPR or back at Griffin Park. But then shouldn't there be two or three different options depending on where you're playing? I don't know. I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Yeah, hang on, Bill. I think I think we know we're going to be playing Griffin Park next season. I don't think there's any doubt about that, whether we're in the Premiership or whether we're in the uh, Championship. Um, but I do find it a bit strange that we haven't been told what the prices are. The club could have even said, you know, this is what the price will be should we get to the Premiership. This will be the price that we are in the Premiership and in the Championship. What I would say, though, is that I think with the increased revenue that is coming into football... Whether we rem- whether we reach how much, the sorry Nick, it, it, what increased revenue? How much is that again? To uh, it's, it's a it's a billion pound. It's, it's a billion pound over the clubs. There's a billion pounds trickling down to the football league, which the clubs will be able to use. There's a lot of money there that they can actually use for certain things, which including tickets is what you're going to exactly. say exactly. And I think I think they ought to be rewarding supporters because football is nothing without supporters and I am absolutely convinced is that the state of the finances of football now is that the club could probably freeze the season ticket prices for next year whether they be in the championship or whether we be in the premiership and it would be a real gesture in the last two seasons that we all have at Griffin Park the club to do that because otherwise all that happens is that it gets wasted on players' wages. They should well, certainly be rewarding the fans that have been to every single game in the season. That's, that's what I think. <laughs> yes, yeah, of course. It's, but, it's, but, there's, there's, probably, that, there's probably a good argument that the season ticket prices should come down if we get into the Premier League because the income from getting up there is quite a lot higher. Well, well I want to be head where if we got promoted to the Premier League, maybe this is, a, this is a projection into the future, I am going to read this headline, I actually might even write it, that we get promoted to the Premier League at Griffin Park and the, 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 ten, the um, capacity is reduced down to 9,500 and the revenue from that 9,500 is so inconsequential to the actual like, funding of the whole thing. They, they make it pay, pay, pay what you want for the whole season because, like, or, or make it free. So if you had a season ticket last year, you get a season ticket for next year, and it's free because you because like what's nine and a half? What's nine and a half thousand gonna? If you've got two hundred million coming in. What's what's the revenue from a game? The game receipts in the game it's, it's, it's nothing. Only only free to those of us who've attended every single competitive <laughs> fixture Brentford have played in the 2014-15 season, though. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so so, so uh, they'll be interesting, and, and and again, this comes out from the the fact that West Ham. I mean, and. Uh, it, it's it's not quite as it's grown up to be, but West Ham have used this uh, ticket income from the Premier League to say we're reducing our ticket season ticket prices, which is interesting on two parts because obviously they're moving to a new stadium, which is a much bigger stadium, which they need to fulfil. But the flip side of it for. is that you know, which again, which, which which again, they haven't had to put their money in their in their pocket for. But on the flip side of it, they have reduced the season ticket prices and they can do because if they wanted to they could have kept it as high as they wanted to as everybody else because that money comes in and it's getting to the situation I think where football teams can make a decision as whether or not they want to or not yeah Bill sorry I think you're slightly making excuses 
football, <laughs> the, the, the revenue that clubs get from supporters, whether it be from ticket prices on the day or from season tickets, is actually a minimal part of a club's income nowadays. Oh, it is, yes, I know. And, yeah. and football is nothing without supporters. And I think it's about time that football actually recognised that without the supporters, it would be nothing. And just look around again. I go back to the continental games. You know, look at some of the games in Italy where you see half full stadiums. You know, and actually look at the championship games and the highlights on the football league show, and you see clubs playing in grounds that are three quarters full, sometimes only half full, when they should be totally full. We should be doing everything to maximise getting supporters into the ground watching live football. And if that means reducing ticket prices, that's what clubs should be doing. They can make their revenue in other ways. And, I, and it, it does raise a serious point about what West Ham have paid for their stadium because it is a bit of a bugbear. Really. We, we have, you know, as, as taxpayers, um, we, we've actually subsidised their stadium. We've paid for the Olympic Park. we pay for that. And they've got it for next to nothing. So basically, we are subsidising um, as much as the Premier League's windfall is subsidising the reduced West Ham season ticket prices next year. If they paid what that what stadium was worth, they couldn't afford to do it. I think it absolutely sucks. It really do. Talk about the future of Brentford. I thought it was very, very interesting this week. Nine scholars, as they call them, basically members of the youth team, offered professional contracts. So basically, they've become professionals, nine of them. And basically, nine of these players are the ones that remember when we were in Germany and they won the Milk Cup. So nine, uh, a lot of this team are the team that won the Milk Cup, the team that they thought they're going to be coming through to become pros at Brentford. So that includes Zane Westbrook, James Ferry, who both got one-year deals, and then Courtney Senior, we've heard a lot about, and Bradley Clayton, they got two-year deals. Like I said, six of them are part of the team that won the Milk Cup and helped Brentford finish second in the Under-18 Development League 2 this season. Things looking up for the future, do you think, guys? Or is it one of those scenarios where still, you know, you're 18, 19, things could still go over? How many, how many Chelsea players who are in the youth team have actually made it into, the, into their final team? So is it still kind of one of those situations that may not happen? I'll tell you, you must be really excited about that news is Wickham. They, they, <laughs> they're probably like, they're probably like some sort of vultures sitting on the roof looking at all them players now thinking, oh, we'll have him, 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 we'll have him on loan. We've had one of them already, I think. Oh, yeah. I've called you senior already. Have they? <laughs> yeah. I, I know. It's, it's great news to see that there's, um, you know, obviously some, you know, some sort of progression, um, you know, with the academy and the um, development squad and the way that all that all that develops is is, is just, you know, it's, it's the future. And, and and if if the new measurements of you know what constitutes, you know, giving giving a player a professional contract is is them, then that's great. You know, I, you know and I guess it's tinged with. Yeah, they've let players go and you know like, I think we, we, we give our best wishes to the ones that were let go as well we wish them the best for the future um, yeah it's, it's, it's exciting times for Brentford Football Club and you know if, if they're the next generation and hopefully you know, we'll see some of those progress into the first team that's what has to happen we have if you know, we have to see we have to see progression into the first team because you know, we talk about mathematical modelling talk about the way we scout players these players, if they're given professional contacts and contracts, there has to be a route into the first team. We don't want to be accused of being, a, you know, another Chelsea where we have all these players on the conveyor belt, but none of them ever make it. I think I think it's quite interesting actually because um, 
you know, when you think of um, looking at stats and stuff and finding players that other, you know, teams haven't thought, I, I generally do think that's more something that's going to work on the continent. And actually, if you're going to bring, you know, if you're going to find English players or British players, then actually buying them is, is, is relatively expensive. And maybe this is the way, the best way to bring them through. The other point I think, though, is that when you look at like the Chelsea model, is that I do sometimes wonder as to whether what what are what are actually Chelsea trying to achieve? Are they trying to bring players through, or are they actually bringing players on that they can then sell? Um, and it's like a revenue stream. I think we've discussed this before, but you know, Bamford might go for five or six million. I don't know how much of their youth system. And that would pay for, um, and then the opportunity for them maybe to find the one. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to someone whose son's been in the Chelsea conveyor belt for a bit of time, and I and I and I know a couple of other people that do, but you know, that they it, it, it can be damaging. Um, we, we don't really want to be seen as uh, as one of these predatory clubs that, that that bring too many in. But but you know that, you know I don't really know enough about that to, to comment too broadly. But it, 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 I, I just really do feel strongly that if we're going to have an academy and we are going to do this properly, that it has to be a, a you know there has to be a route into the first team. Otherwise, what's the point? The, the one good thing I would say about Brentford is, from what I've seen of the academy structure and what I've read, is that it actually will produce um, young young people who are prepared for a future outside football as well. Because I think that's the really important thing, is that too many kids think that they're going to make it as professional footballers and then get, when they, you know, rejected at 16, 17, 18 or whatever age it is, have no future to call back on. The, the, the good thing about the academy system at Brentford is that it clearly actually produces well-rounded individuals who, if they can't make it as professional footballers, will have a chance to have a career in a different way. And, and I mean, just talk about the, we were talking about the playoffs earlier, but the fact is that Brentford actually did get to the playoffs this season. We were already there because our under-18s, our youth team, have actually in the playoffs for the, uh, the Division 2 development league. And uh, they're playing Huddersfield on Monday. Brentford Good knowledge, second. Bill. Are they playing Huddersfield? Huddersfield. Huddersfield, Huddersfield finished yeah, Huddersfield away. They finished top of the North League. And um, uh, Forest finished second in the North League. And Charlton finished top. We finished second. And we were top for most of the season until Charlton picked us. I think it was last week or the week before last. So we, we were up there. Only lost five games in 27. So, you know, not being too so, bad. So... Our record against Huddersfield in playoffs gives us a 50-50 chance then. Yes, indeed. Bobby, yeah. Bobby Taylor will be blazing one over the bar <laughs> yeah. at the McAlpine. Yeah, and, or, um, or, and, and or, Denny Mundy and um, Jerry Bates missing a penalty. I think you've outstatted us there on, uh, on, on the old youth system there, Mr. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, and, and the so final, will be, final will be a couple of weeks later. The playoff final will be a couple of weeks later as well. Oh, Nick, 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 Nick will be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, <laughs> well, I want to know where it is, what time and what the admission price is because <laughs> I will be right. there and so should hundreds and thousands of other hundreds fans. Hundreds and thousands. <laughs> hundreds uh, or thousands of people. Is there three coaches? Talking about coaches... News. I mean, maybe we shouldn't be talking about this now, but we might as well, seeing as the envelope has been opened again, the padlock has been taken off. Um, we'll be wondering when we're going to be expecting news about the new coach and players and stuff like that. Um, I mean, we can't really talk about it because we don't know, do we? Um, about new coach, new players, what, what's the score? What do you reckon? I mean, we're going to take a little guess as to... I'm going to have to grasp Mr Allard up here. He, he reckons if we hang around after the Wigan game, about half five, he reckons half five, 
Warburton will be coming out of Griffin Park with reams of A4, like, and probably green biros, even though he doesn't ever use them. It will nick them out of stationary cupboards. And anything you can nick from your ex-employees, you just you load up, don't you, when you leave? I don't know whether that's defamatory or there's there's a legal case here. Where it's, it's, you know, I'm not quite sure, but you know, I, I reckon. All I would say is that if we're not, if we don't have the news uh, after the Wigan game that Jurgen Klopp is coming to Brentford, I'm not certain that I'll do my hundred uh, percent uh, repeat of every competitive fixture that there is for the Brentford team. Have you done hundred percent this year? I have indeed. Yeah, that's I don't, right. Have you? It's fun, funny, I don't, <laughs> well, let's, on a kind of serious note, though, I think it's, it is important that we get things in place as quickly as possible. Um, and I'm kind of hoping they're sort of in place already because you, you can very quickly waste time in the off-season and, um, and find yourself chasing the game. In fact, you could almost make an argument that if we do get in the playoffs, um, that's going to waste four weeks. Um, if we, you know, if you don't get in the playoffs and go up, you could, there's a good argument to be made. It wastes four weeks of potentially planning for next season. It'd be a bloody waste, wouldn't it? Bloody, yeah, we don't need that, do we? Yeah. What a bloody waste that would be. What a waste of our time <laughs> these four weeks will be. <laughs> and finally, just quickly, we're going to talk about. Um, some people remember those things that they used to sell outside the stadiums. Those fanzine things, paper things that people used to go and buy for fifty p. Yeah, the analog, the analog fans magazine thing. Well, there's going to be another besotted fanzine. Fingers crossed for the Wigan game, a celebratory fanzine, which uh, you'll be able to purchase. Very, uh, there won't be too many of them flying around because we're going to make it special edition. So please go out there, look out for it, pick it up, put it in the back of your pocket. It's probably a little bit more than fifty pence now, isn't it, Dave? Eight quid, mate. Eight, eight quid. No, yeah, it's going to be two. No, yeah, two two fifty. I think it is. Yeah, that's the last time. I think when I index links, I think it was. Um, is it, it was I was waiting for the Bank of England announcement <laughs> earlier, <laughs> just just to see. I think it was caps at point five percent. Yeah, um, I think it's important that we um, look look at traditional uh, ways of communicating with our fans as well. And um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be peddling our pawn in uh, in, a, in an analog paper. Styly as well. All I would say to you, Dave, is that uh, do remember that under this government the inflation rate is almost zero, so therefore there should be no increase in prices. Uh, I, 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 I think you should peg the price of the fanzine to the um, season ticket announcement if we get that before the Wigan game. Oh, well, if I, if I get any of this Premiership windfall, I might, I might decrease it. Exactly. No, no I, think, I think it's just a I think we brought one out earlier in the season. Bring one out this 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 end of the season as well. I don't know why I'm doing it to be honest with you, because it just drags me away from the pub, and um, I'd rather be in the pub than selling selling stuff outside the grounds. But um, sun's out, or, and, or I hope it will be. And um, I've been doing it for twenty odd years, so it's got to continue, Bill. As it indeed, not? indeed, indeed. Listen, right, we're off to Berkshire now, down to sunny, fingers crossed, Berkshire. To talk to Mr. Dave Harris, aka Handbags, from the Tyler's End Reading blog. They're going to talk about their trip to Wembley and the FA Cup and lots, lots more. Let's have a listen to the boys from Reading. So, off to sunny Berkshire at the weekend, and we thought we'd take a little call with the boys from the Tyler's End blog, the Reading blog. Very, very good blog. That go and check it out. Talk to Mr. Dave Handbag Harris and Johnny Williams. Boys, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. 
Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Doing all right. Still excited. Exciting weekend you've had. Excited. To be honest with you, I, mean, I know your league form hasn't been the best in the world, but you've had a pretty exciting season. You can't be you can't be grumbling that much, can you? Definitely not. I think, you know, a club like Reading, first uh, FA Cup semi-final in 88 years. Uh, we lost the last one as well, unfortunately. But I think, you know, that's been a beacon of hope or uh, certainly the highlight of what's otherwise been a disappointing and underwhelming season, I think. Um, you know, the trip to Wembley, obviously the biggest game in in uh, 88 years, you'd have to say, in terms of in terms of history. But, um, yeah, the league form, well, the league form returned to uh, returned to normal, really, on Wednesday night against Birmingham with a disappointing 1-0 win. I mean, to, I mean, to be expected after, you know, the, the disappointment of Saturday. But, you know, let's look at the positive side of this. And like I said, this show, if you listen to it, it's an absolute, it's meant to be an up show. It's a celebration show. It's like, how well we've done. How did it feel, Johnny, when you when you walked and you got to Wembley and you saw your team walk out of Wembley? How did that feel? Surreal, absolutely surreal. So I said to a few of my friends, even walking up Wembley Way, I wasn't quite sure that it was actually happening. It was only when the players actually came out and we kicked off, and you hear names like Özil, Sanchez, Cazorla uh, coming out over the PA. You're like, wow, we're actually here. We're actually in an FA Cup semi-final playing against Arsenal. It was it was an amazing day. Um, obviously, the performance helped in getting to extra time. The less said about the uh, Federici incident, the better, I think. Um, yeah. but, um, no, it was it was an absolutely fantastic day, and all the fans were so unbelievably proud. Even after 120 minutes, um, you know, we were the ones singing at the end of the match. Basketball yeah. fans, um, you know, they expected a, a, a rollover basically. I think as did most people. But for Reading fans to take it to extra time to go down the way we did, we were so proud of the team, and I, I think. I feel that we can fight and we can put in performances uh, like that on, on a good day. And I think, I mean, Brentford fans, I think we can sort of relate to Reading in a way because, you know, we came from sort of similar backgrounds years back in the past. I know you went up to the Prem. Now we're back in the same league. But, you know, in a strange way, we're kind of sort of similar teams. We're unglamorous teams as such. The teams that, you know, are, you know, the Arsenal's and the, the, the Liverpool's probably look down to a certain extent. So, you know, for you to have done well, I think a lot of Brentford fans have looked at you and thought, you know, they tipped their hat and said, you know, fair play to you. And I mean, I sat in the pub there with everybody else sort of willing you on, especially when you scored the equaliser. There was a massive cheer in the globe, actually, actually. It was really, really good. But I'm just thinking, you that cut run started off. And who was the first team that you played again in the third round? You had the third round game. Who was that? Huddersfield, away. That's right. Okay, so when you went to Huddersfield... Okay, so you got that Huddersfield one shot and guard. You want that? Did you? Did you think? And I'm sure you didn't. Right, you got a cut run on here. But what were you thinking? Or were you just thinking we'll just take it one game at a time? Well, it's interesting. The chap I actually travelled up with um, straight after the game turned around um, at full time and, uh, and said, "All right, I'll be at Wembley." Jokingly, yeah, actually, yeah, so I'm at Wembley. So um, yeah, was, yeah, you go into every cup season, every every season with a you know with a hope that you're gonna you're gonna end up with a uh, a relatively you know, solid league season, and, and and do yourselves reasonably proud in the cups. I mean, Reading, um, don't, they don't have a particularly great cup record. We certainly have no real history um, in the FA Cup, with the exception of being the club from the first round proper to have had more attempts without winning the damn thing. Yeah. Um, so to get to a semi-final for only the second time um, was, uh, was was a, was a nice little welcome surprise in what has already been alluded to as a fairly um, uninspiring and disappointing league season. And I'm going to come back to that. You know, your season's been uninspiring. So, I mean, what's been the difference? How come you can, you know, you've got average results? I mean, you know, we played you back in October. 
And we, you know, we we pretty much turned you over then. And I remember we met you guys in the pub after. You were just saying we're awful, we're terrible. I know you had problems with your manager. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But you've been, you know, pretty much just kind of flatlined this whole season. But what's made the difference in the cup? I think it's just the attitude. I think the attitude and, and the fact that, well, if you look at our cup run, we didn't actually play um, Premier League team on the way. We played Huddersfield away, Cardiff away, um, Bradford, Derby away as well, and then Bradford away on, on the way there. And then, uh, in fact, the replay against Bradford was the first game we had at home, if I remember correctly, in the cup. Um, so I guess there's certainly an element of luck there. But, you know, when, when you dangle a carrot like Wembley and like a glory like that in players, it's very easy to motivate yourself, isn't it? Against the league campaign that long time has, has sort of looked like it's been going nowhere. I mean, we've, you know, we sort of go back through the record books and I think this is about the first season, 13 or 14, where something isn't on the line towards the end of the, the, end of the season. We've either been fighting against relegation, uh, in promotion in the 2006-07 season, if we'd uh, won on the last day against Blackburn, we'd have actually gone in the Europa League, which would really end on that day. So this is this is the first season I think in a, in a good long time where um, you know coming towards the end of the season there hasn't been much on the line. Of course, you take the FA Cup into account. The players motivate, their manager gets them up for it, and you you have to play for. Um, so I think that you know I think that's been sort of the, the character that's been dangling in front of them the whole time. And we've got a few players who are out of contract. You've got a couple of Chelsea boys who are on loan. So they're wanting to impress the characters, impress the scouts as well. And, you know, I don't think uh, in, for a championship, like, there's much of a better stage to do that on than, than when you get to the latter rounds of the FA Cup. OK, that's, I mean, that, that is a very good point. And, um, I mean, we all know about, you I mean, you're talking about it's a big game, you know, second time in an FA Cup semi-final for you guys. You know, other than maybe your, play, you know, your playoff game when you went up, it's, you know, one of the biggest games you've been to. But you must also know about gutter feeling when you can't meet that match. I mean, for me, as you probably hear in this podcast, I've been massively ribbed. I thought this was going to be the only season where I'm going to do 100% games. I'm going to do all the games this season. And unfortunately, or say, some people say fortunately, I got called off to, uh, to Jamaica for a couple of days because I had to go to, uh, to, do a, to, to work out there for a few days. So I was gutted because I missed the Sheffield Wednesday game. I couldn't do anything about it. And I had to listen to it on the radio. And uh, like I said, I'm getting massively ribbed now. I'm not getting a lot of sympathy from my mates there. Cheers, thanks very much. But still, there are worse to be than Jamaica, eh? <laughs> yeah, but still, mate, you know how it goes. <laughs> it's it's hard to go for a 100% game. But I I don't feel nearly as bad as one of the members of your crew who we thought we'd speak to today. But he must be still, even though he had a must have had a wonderful day. But it must be eating away at him. Old Wim, the the editor of uh, the Tylerst End, who booked his wedding day the same day that Reading went to Wembley, didn't he? Well, originally it was only rather on the way, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's, the best, that's one of the major pitfalls of having a wedding day on a Saturday in the football season. Boys, but, girls, ladies, gentlemen, call yourselves what you will, don't do it. You've got three months of the year in the middle of summer to, to have a wedding. Choose any day you like, but don't do it in the football season because it's only going to end up in tears. So I see you've got as much sympathy for, for Wimb as, as my mates have for me then. <laughs> well, funny you should say that. There was a little um, a little sideline with this to me. Um, not my own wedding, I'm not married, but my brother got married on a Saturday in the football season back in 2010, April the 10th. Now, um, Reading uh, had a fairly decent cut run that season as well. Um, and um, we ended up playing Aston Villa in the, in the quarterfinals. Another heartbreaking defeat. Two at half time, lost 4-2. John Carew, hat-trick. But uh, 
when we actually managed to get through to the quarterfinals, I had a quick check of the April April dates for the semis, and it happened to be that weekend of April the 10th to the 11th, and guess right. who was the best man at my brother's wedding? Now, not right. only that, not only that, well, not only was it going to, it turned out that the semi-final that we would have played and how we beaten Villa was the Saturday, so I would have missed it. Uh-huh. But I was also on a run of 298 consecutive games when that oh. came to an end. Oh, oh, seven oh. years. Oh, that's quite hard. <laughs> that is quite uh, hard, Corby. Yeah, so so we we feel each other's pain anyway, don't we? You know. We do. I feel yeah, for him, but have some brains, mate. Come on, Dan. You're more intelligent than that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen. Looking forward to the weekend now. Like I said, last time we played you, you know, um, we were on the up. You guys were, pretty, you know, kind of on the, on the down to a certain extent. You've stabilised yourself now. Your season's pretty much petered out. We, in paper, we could still do the business if if, if other teams, don't, you know, like Ipswich, don't get the results that they want to. So, yes, we're going to definitely be going for it on Saturday. We're a bit worried because we're worried that we have run out of steam, but we'll never know. But I'm just wondering, what do you think that we've got in the bag on Saturday, you know, what are Reading going to do to us? Well, not very much. <laughs> not uh, well, certainly at home, the home form has been um, pretty poor. And, you know, it's coming towards the end of the season, so fans are going to be thinking about renewing their season tickets. And sadly, the, the form has just completely tailed off, as we say. You know, it's really, really hard to put a positive on it. I think it's one win in 11 in the league. I think we haven't scored in 10 out of 14 home matches. And, you know, we think about taking the momentum from Saturday, putting it into Wednesday against um, Birmingham, another team who, you know, they're pretty much featuring out. And sadly, it's just it's just the same old story. There's no one there to finish the chances. It's it's very good possession. I actually think we've, we've done quite well in the last four games. And we played Bournemouth in that time, who were exciting. Again, came away 1-0. And I didn't think they looked anything special. Um, nervous. Same, you've got to say that. They, they were very, very nervous, Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, so I was riding on that particular win. We got the early goal, and then it was very much a cling-on job. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, it's, it, you, we're worried now because you sound very much like Cardiff and Millwall, who came down to us, who said, we've got absolutely no chance you guys are going to whip us. And they they both got a result, which, we you know, we weren't expecting. So, uh, I mean, the, the difference is that you can relax because you've got nothing to play for. We're obviously, you know, we're going to come all fire and brimstone, but we're also going to be a bit nervous. So, uh, mm. anyone there that we should be looking out for? Any dangers? Any danger players? Well, I think um, players like Gareth McCleary on his day, um, you know, he can, he can produce the absolute magic and that, um, you know, some special moments. Uh, Nathaniel Chalova, who we spoke about briefly earlier, the loney from Chelsea. He, I mean, he... To us, he just looks a step ahead of the team. I mean, he, when he's on form, uh, he looks like the game is going at half speed for him. The, the fact he has the ability to pick a pass, he, he's absolute class. And um, one one player who is looking good towards the end of the season, uh, Michael Hector at centre back. Um, he 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 came. He was originally on loan in uh, Scotland towards the end of last year, and uh, he's come back to the team. He he was a bit of a David Luiz type at the start of the season in terms of a centre-back. A little bit reckless, thought, thought he could do too much, so to speak. But, um, I mean, Steve Clark, since he's come in, has, has completely refined him. He's now He now looks uh, a Premier League centre-back. He's been absolutely sensational in the last couple of games, especially against Arsenal. Uh, that was a good one against Arsenal. That was a good one against Arsenal. That was a good one against Arsenal. Yeah, two, um, two, two, yeah, two, 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 two
so, 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 yeah, so you, I mean, you've still got a few players out there that might do us damage. So, come on, boys, I'm going to put you next on the line. Give us a score prediction for the match against the Bees, the mighty Bees, on Saturday. I'm trying to think of what I put down for the time then now. I can't think. Um, I, think I think you went for a 3-1. You tend to like your 3-1, Sandbags. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did go for a 3-1, didn't I? Because I also went for 3-0 with, uh, with Birmingham. Look how that turned out. So, um, <laughs> so, is that 3-1 right is, is to Reading? 3-1 to Reading, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Johnny? I think I'll, I'll go for a two-all. I mean, that you know, there tend to be goals in your games, and uh, there don't tend to be many goals in our games. So it's a, it's a bit of a tough one to call. But I think Steve Clark, he seems, as we said with the FA run, he seems to be able to motivate his players. There's a few players who are out of contract. This is our last home game of the season because we've actually got two away games to end the season. Um, so I think he'll sufficiently get them up for it. But, um, you know, as you say, Brentford chasing that, you know, in that playoff place, I think, They'll cause us some damage. They were good at Griffin Park as well, so I think I think a two-all draw to end the season at home for us. All right, let's hope that you're completely and utterly wrong, but we will see. So listen, boys, great chatting to you, and hopefully we'll meet you for a few pints in the pub before the game. We'll discuss a few more things, and uh, you could just tell us a bit more about your little Wembley troubles and your little trails and tribulations, and uh, and how you got on last Saturday as well. well no worries, mate. Wicked event. All right, thanks a lot, boys. Talk to you later. Brilliant. You later. Cheers. Yeah. Trip to Berkshire, sunny Berkshire on Saturday. Haven't been there for a while. The last time we went to Reading, we took loads, or we thought was loads of fans. I think we took about 2,000, just over 2,000 fans, I think, last time to Reading, and it seemed like the whole of Brentford was there. Well, this time we're actually eclipsing that number. There's going to be probably about 3,500 Brentford fans travelling to the Majeski Stadium in the middle of nowhere. So make sure that you've got your plans well and truly afoot before you get there because it's a complete and utter nightmare around there. It's, it, it's, a, it's a desert. It's, it's an oasis for culture and drinking and having a laugh from what I can know. But listen, we're going to go to Reading. We know what we need to do and it's almost like the pressure is off now, isn't it? Didn't the last time, didn't we, when we went to Reading and won there, didn't Havare or Javare play, play for us? Was, was, wasn't he a B there? Didn't he score? Am I, have I got my facts completely wrong? I thought, I thought, I thought there was a, one of the early um, continental starlets in our system. But, yeah, no, I've, I've, got a good, I've got a good feeling about Reading, to be honest with you. Um, I think the pressure's going to be off us a little bit. I, I, I think we've had a lot of pressure on our shoulders, and I think we've struggled with that. And I, and I think now, now it's, we've kind of been a little bit unleashed. I think we could go a little bit crazy down there. I think I think we could get some. I think it could be like a four or five nil bees. Wow. Mm, I, I, I'm looking forward to an away day out. You know, a nice friendly place with friendly pubs, the ground in the centre of the city, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, that's what I would be looking forward to. Obviously, we're not going to get any of that. Um, hopefully, um, we do it on the pitch because that's probably going to be the bit I'm really looking forward to. Although. I am hanging on in Reading afterwards um, to hook up with some mates, celebrate uh, a 40th birthday. So um, it's not all going to be bad. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to Saturday. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing Reading's goalkeeper and seeing how he performs after the uh, poor guy. What he did on Saturday, you know. Imagine going through life knowing that you 
failed and to get your team into the FA Cup final. Um, but I think I think Brentford should treat this game as a celebration of all that they've done this season. And therefore, <laughs> you know, let's say 2-0 Brentford. I've got to say that, that Federici, that, that's, that's kind of quite below the belt, I, I, I have to say. I, I think um, I think he's going to be uh, he's struggling with what what happens, and I, 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 I my, my heart goes out to him. I think, I think that's a little bit a little bit play the belt, Mister Nick. You're a professional footballer. Um, you're a professional goalkeeper. You get paid to save goals, not let goals in. Sadly, you know he's going to have you know he's going to have that for the rest of his life. God, Harley Dean and Federici will be after you at the end of the season. <laughs> And I did something, and um, like I said, interesting, and this is just thinking broadly, I mean, we take, we've taken some, some fans to away games. We've taken some big numbers this season, 3,500 to Reading, like I said, 6,500 to Fulham. Some people say it's only down the road, but, you know, you've seen some teams have taken 2,000, 1,500, you know, 2,500 down the road. So that was that was some big some big buckets that we took down to Fulham. 2,300 to Watford, sold out our allocation to Muff, Muff and all sorts of places. We've been, we've been travelling, you know, 1,500 up to Wigan, you know, in the middle of October. So we've been doing pretty well this season. But the question is that, you know, is this first season excitement? I mean, next season, if we're in the championship again, you know, we're doing, you know, as good as we're doing now or just slightly, you know, if we finish seventh or eighth, you know, we're looking at seventh or eighth. Are we going to be taking 1,500 to Wigan again? And, no. you know, one word answer, Bill. One word answer. No. We will take big amounts of fans to away games indefinitely. Uh, I don't see Brentford. The Brentford fans aren't fickle. They, they, they. We have been travelling in those numbers, not quite those numbers, but for two or three seasons. You know, it, it's been growing. We are loyal. We, we are not fickle. As somebody who has been to all the competitive fixtures that Brentford have played this year, <laughs> what I would say is that it is important that all Brentford fans get up and sing and chant and promote the team on Saturday. You know, none of this sitting on your haunches, politely applauding. We have had a brilliant season. And for those of us who have made all the away games, it's really important to get behind the team. He's lost for words. Um, yeah, I am kind of lost for words, really. I don't know how to follow that because it was such a rally call from Nick. Um, and I agree with it. Is that, you know, if you're not going to get behind the team, um, you, you kind of have to question why you're going to travel because, because that is what it's all about, isn't it? We can't, you know, there's no point. We can all criticise players and, um, and have a go at them and stuff like that. But in the end, on the day, we all want to win. I'm sure the players all want to win. There have been times as a football supporter where I have questioned whether all the players want to win, but that has not been the case this season but to any extent. So even though we can you know, maybe pick out individuals here and there, the bottom line is I'm not going to criticise anyone for not trying this season because I, I think they've all given 100% and they deserve our support. Can I just go back to the whole learning curve? Now, it's, it's a big step up for everyone. If you expect people to get it 100% right first time, you're living in club, city land. And, and they wouldn't be playing for Brentford, to be brutally honest. You know? yeah, the, the, the people that have got it wrong, by at, at the first opportunity are people like Alex Pritchard 
you know, and will he be here next year? Will he be a Brentford player? We'll, we'll find out. But, you know, there are players that are clearly destined for greater things. And we'll, we'll find out about that over the season. People like Yotta, will he be here next year? Is he, is he, he's not too good for Brentford. He's not too good for this division. But is he destined for, for greater things? Probably. So whatever happens on Saturday against Reading, you've got to tune in next week to hear our views on whether Yossa will stay, whether Pritchard will stay, who our new manager will be. The season isn't over yet, folks. There's still two more games to go. Two more and games to go. So, yeah, um, the Brentford Awards. We've, we've got the Brentford Pie of the Year Award as well. So that's, that's something to tune in for next, next week. So listen, Pie of the Year Award, big old Reading game. I'm still going to give a prediction 2-0. I actually think we're going to keep a clean sheet against Reading on Saturday because I think like, we're back on track. Ah, that's uh, sunstroke. Sunstroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's listen, too, many, we too many whelks in the south end. That, that's, well, listen, I'm going to keep my whelks to myself. So, but I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling that's what the score is going to be. But listen, this has been the besotted Pride of West London podcast. Very much looking forward to our weekend in Berkshire, sunny old Berkshire. Got a nice boozer lined up. Um, the Reading boys have Royal told Berkshire. us about it. It's Royal Berkshire, is it not? I think it's a real, I think it's Royal. Yeah, the Royals. That's where the Reading, the Royals play there. So, so yeah, is it Reading on Temp. No, no, I don't think so. No, but um, yeah, got a nice boozer rolled up. The, the, the Reading boys, the, the Tyler Spurs boys have uh, lined us up with a nice boozer. We're going to be meeting them beforehand if anyone fancies a bit of real ale and some good football fans, a bit of banter. Just direct message us. You know how to get hold of us. But other than that, we'll see you on Saturday. Getting behind your team, standing up, singing, shouting, doing what you have to do, not throwing any coins. We are the Brentford. We are the best. We are the Brentford. The rest. Come on, you bees. Besotted.co.uk, Besotted1992 on YouTube, and Audio Boom Besotted. Check us out everywhere. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're going to Reading on Saturday. We need those three points. We're going to do it. Come on, you bees. You bees. You bees. Oi, oi. Warbs, put that tip X back. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.